The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you don't mind, if you haven't done it, especially on Apple and Spotify, five stars if you feel uh, so inclined, and a quick one to two sentence review always helps as well. It's that time of year. It's big for us if you can rate us and review us, uh, especially on Apple. Tommy, this uh, review from Kurt Cousins 12 via Apple Podcasts. Kevin, I've never understood why you have always had so much hatred towards Alex Smith. Love the show and all of your opinions on the current sports landscape. Can you please tell us again about being so great at betting college basketball that they limited your action? (laughs) Enjoy the football season. I don't have any hatred towards Alex Smith. What are you talking about? No, you just recognize him for, for his effectiveness. Right. They weren't very good with him on offense as quarterback, but I don't right. have, I've never had any hatred towards him. In fact, I think during the, his comeback season, I was much more uh, into some of the performances he had in 2020 than a lot of other people. Um, I remember that, yes. you know, speaking of, I think one of his best performances after the injury was against the Lions. The game they lost on the Matt Prater 59-yard field goal at the gun after Chase Young had a uh, late hit on Matt Stafford, and that gave him field goal range. Um, Alex Smith brought him back in that game. He was outstanding. I thought he was really good in that Thanksgiving Day game against the Cowboys. Uh, I think his story is an incredible story. I've never had hatreds towards it. I think, you know what, actually, this is where – I think some of you just are, you can be a little bit too sensitive when we're talking about them professionally um, and, and, and their performances. Like, it, like when Cooley did his film breakdown, Tommy, and by the way, if you missed Cooley on the podcast yesterday, he did a, a, a film breakdown, not in his normal um, sort of formal manner with grades, et cetera, but it was really good. Go back and listen to that show. But I remember so many times, like people would would uh, you know say, "God damn, Cooley, you really crush that player. You hate that player." And and he would just say, "No, I just didn't think he played well in that game. I actually liked the player, but he didn't play well in that game. I graded him a, a C minus because he had a C minus game." 
And people just take that. No, I, I never, I never felt that way about Alex. Here's what people, and people, particularly these days in social media, people react to this kind of information. Either you're fawning over a guy, or you hate a guy. Yeah. You know, people don't understand the, like the middle ground where you might like a guy, but you're critical of his performance. Right. You know, which I, I think. I, yeah, I think that that happens a lot on this show. That but there are... either, but most people are used to fawning or just destroying people. There's no middle ground. And if you're not fawning for some people, then you hate the guy. Yeah, there there's some truth to that, definitely, for some people. Somebody sent me something um, uh, this morning, and I, I didn't get to it, actually, on the radio show, and I meant to get to it. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase it because I closed out uh, the tabs where I had it saved. I should have saved it for the podcast. But basically, it was somebody saying, I don't understand all the hate for Scott Turner. What's the deal? Scott Turner's a really good coordinator. I'm, I'm paraphrasing at this point. And I just thought to myself, you're just kind of making that up, whoever tweeted you love that. Scott Turner. I mean – well, I, forget about us, and I've been all over. I, I've been a Scott Turner, you know, believer, you know, going back to 2020. But I, I mean, is there criticism of Scott Turner on occasion? Yeah, but when people, it's it's. Look, I'm going to bring her up again. Sorry, but it's the Taylor Heineke Sabah situation. There are people that want to believe that they were on something by themselves. So that when the guy blows up into something big, everybody hated the guy. I was the only guy that was supporting him. You know, it was like I was the only guy saying that Taylor Heineke was a was a good quarterback. No, you actually weren't the only person. And no, there's not a lot of hate for Scott Turner. Not in the world that I'm in. There has been some, you know, uh, questions as to whether or not he was the right guy at various times. I don't think there's ever been true hate. I think there's much more disbelief in Jack Del Rio, absolutely, than Scott Turner, especially absolutely. now and yeah. even last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, definitely, you're right. So, I, but you know what? I think there's less belief in Ron Rivera right right now in this moment than there is for Scott Turner. How about that? Whoa. Well, you know, if the coach keeps telling you how great his offensive coordinator is, <laughs> people are going to say, well, why isn't he the coach? Yeah. Um, right. Uh, thank you though for the, uh, for the, uh, review. And as far as being so great at betting college basketball that they limited my action, that is true. But I've brought that up as a way of trying to explain that a lot of people get limited, especially like if, if in some of, in non, nobody's ever going to really get limited on, on NFL bets. NFL's really, really hard to bet. Nobody out there that's taking bets from anybody believes that somebody has some sort of inside advantage on NFL betting. Um, but, uh, you know, college basketball in the middle of February, when you've won for like 16 nights in a row, that could get you limited. By but you know especially by smaller guys not by uh, not by legalized places you're not going to get limited by legalized places I don't think so I have no idea how some of the legalized places are actually working 
Um, that would seem uh, that would seem to be hard to do. Yeah. To say you're too good, at, we're going to be in the betting business, but you're too good at it. We're not going to let you play. I don't think legal places can do that. The I, I will tell you that I've had some really really good years gambling. I've had more bad years, and he, and or even if I've had some really really good years, they've never made up for the really bad years. Um, so I've, I've preached this over and over and over again. Gambling ain't for everybody. We've had these conversations. And if you can't handle, you know, sort of things in moderation, I'd recommend, you know, highly against it. Um, But no, college basketball, there's no doubt over the course of my adult life as a sports better, college basketball has been my best sport. I've had the biggest years I've ever had were massive college basketball seasons where I did very well. I've had some really good football seasons. You know, the smell test has been reflective of years in which I've won, and I've had winning seasons in 11 out of 16 years. But understand that the smell test, they're straight bets, and they don't represent every single bet I may make by the time we get to game time. And I've whipped up a couple of money line parlays usually in there as well that usually don't win. Um, no. Uh, anyway, hey, but um, you've lost. You have lost your enthusiasm a little bit. I for have. Betting, I have. You? I have. I have. Which is which is amazing when you think about it. Is that the rest of the country has finally caught up to you, and you you're, you don't want to ride that bus. You don't want to sit in the front of the bus anymore. No, I'm I'm typically ahead of the curve on a lot of things. I'll, I've got some new things that I'm working on that I'll share with you that they'll be on five six years from now. <laughs> oh, Tommy. Okay. Tommy. I am now almost completely through Better Call Saul. Uh, I, over the last couple of weeks, I'm now midway through season five. It's so good. It's yes. really, really good. Um, yes. I, I really love the show. I can't wait to get back to it. I mean, I'll probably get back to it early. Or I, I don't know, maybe early tomorrow morning. or I mean, early Saturday or early Sunday morning. I'll watch a couple of episodes. But, God, it's so good. And, and it reminded me when I was watching it last night that Tommy did send me his interview with Jonathan Banks. You know, Jonathan play, Banks plays Mike, not only on Better Call Saul, right. but also on Breaking Bad. And it was really, I listened to it, it's really a good interview. And when I went and took some days off, my intention was to play the interview because Tommy said, go ahead and play the interview. I, I There's some issues in trying to get it into the podcast in – really good enough quality from um, from a from an audio standpoint. So I'm still working on that. So I'm going to play that at some point. I promise you. And it was really, really a, a, what a nice guy he was. Yeah. Yeah. Super nice guy. He's a guy. regular guy who just, who, just, who just made it big. He really is a regular guy. No doubt. Hey, tomorrow, and, tomorrow, and, go ahead. And I'm, I'm re-watching it. It's so good. I, I started back from the beginning uh, because it gives you a lot of perspective about Mike, particularly early on. Uh, there's a lot more about Mike in the beginning of the show than there is at the end. Well, there's a lot about Mike at the end of season four and then into season five that is troubling. You know, and yeah. um, I'll I'll leave it at that for those that have not, you know, um, 
watched it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I say I'm almost caught up, and I'm pulling this up now. I guess I'm not almost caught up. What am I talking about? It's six seasons. Why didn't I know that? I'm just – I'm through halfway through season five, and there's a se- the season six is the one that just came out like a month ago or a month and a half ago. Yes. Damn, yeah. I thought I was on the last season. I'm not, but it's it's um. Well, I've got a lo- I've got a much longer way to go. Then that's fine. Whatever. How how's the uh, how's the dragon series going? Is that you liking that? Haven't watched one episode yet. I watched. Really? Nope. Nope. I watched a little bit of episode one, and then I said, nope. I'm going to do this where I can binge it when it's done. So I'm going to do that when I've heard it's fantastic. Um, it's gotten very, very good reviews. Hey, I wanted to mention something tomorrow night, um, a football life, you know, the football life series by the NFL network, uh, the Joe Theismann, a football life show is going to premiere tomorrow night at 9 PM. I'm looking forward to watching that. I actually reached out to Joe because I was thinking, and I'm actually interested in your opinion on this. You know how when you have somebody on to preview something, you don't know enough about it as the interviewer. And so I reached out to Joe yesterday and I said, look, I want to have you on to talk about this. And I'm sure that, you know, maybe you're in that mode of promoing it. But you're Joe Theismann. It's going to get enough promo. I'd rather have you on next week after I've had a chance to watch it. Because I think that this is going to be one of those things where, as, you know, a lifelong Redskin fan and Joe Theismann being one of those quarterbacks, you know, along with Billy and Sonny uh, of my youth – um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really enjoy this, and I'd rather talk to him after seeing it. Because there, you know, by the way, Joe, I don't think has seen it yet, so I, I think it's better to talk to him after it, don't you? Yeah, and look, there's no bad time to talk to Joe about it. I mean, Joe will tell you about his football life <laughs> if you wind him up. Okay. Yeah, I know that. And and I, it's a great, it's, it's a great look. I interviewed him uh, at length for my Hail Victory book, and it might be the best interview I did because he was. This was early on, where he was. He started telling people he had been an asshole when he played. Right. He's he, he for, here's a quote. He says, "I was an arrogant little prick when he first started." To be perfectly honest with you, that's what he said. Uh, and he's not like that anymore. Certainly just the opposite he's uh, very generous and giving and 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 always willing willing to talk to anybody but uh yeah i mean i'm looking forward to that because uh you know i i had a, i've had some good conversations like you have with joe over the years he has said the same thing to me before and i i remember um i don't know maybe it was you and i together i think it was i think it was the two of us together that that just, you know, came out and said, Joe, because I think he, he in the middle of a conversation, had some criticism about something that somebody tweeted or something somebody put on Facebook. And I just said, Joe, let's be honest here. How insufferable would you have been if you had played in an era of social media? And he just started laughing and he said, 
oh my God, you're so right. I would have been the worst. I would have been the worst. And I think, you know, Joe's gotten older and there's a lot of self-reflection on his career. And look, when he got to Washington, Billy and Sonny were here and they hated Joe. That was his first experience here. So um, I I wonder, you know, I've read kind of previews of it. Uh, Doc is is on it. Uh, Art Monk, Mark Mosley, Joe Gibbs, and by the way, Lawrence Taylor. Apparently, LT and Theismann went back to RFK Stadium for part of this football life special to the scene of the crime. The, you know, uh-huh. the career-ending uh, leg break. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm really interested in hearing that part of it uh, because and, – and then talking to Joe about how that came about, like in what it was like for LT and Joe to walk into that stadium together. I mean, that was Joe's final game as an NFL player. I was there that night. Yeah. That's one of the eeriest things. But remember, like we, we knew it was serious in the crowd – um, uh-huh. And, you know, but back then it's, it's not like, you know, you're on your phone getting updates from the beat reporters right. on Twitter, but what most people had, and I did this as well, I, I had, you know, a handheld transistor radio where I would listen to Frank, Sonny and Sam when I was at the games. And so that it came across, you know, a, a little while after the fact, but you know, you didn't see the replay necessarily. Some people had some of those handheld televisions, you know, those little television things. Yeah. Um, and and I think there was, you know, s- sort of a groan in the crowd. But you know, the funny thing about that game is that night Jay Schrader came in, and the first play after Joe's injury was a long pass to Art Monk that he completed. And the crowd went nuts. And they won the game that night. They won the game. They beat the Giants. I want to say 23-21. I'm looking up the score right now. I think that's what it was. It was 1985. Giants. 23-21. Got it right. And and Schrader in relief was 13 of 20. For 221 yards and a touchdown uh, in what would have been a quarter and a half, right? Because it happened early in the second quarter, I believe. Um, and they won the game 23-21 against a very, you know, good giant team uh, that night. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching that for sure. Um, Here's, let me just share this one last thing with yep. you. This is what Joe told me about Billy and Sonny and their hatred of him. Uh, people don't realize that Billy and Sonny were friends because of me. They have been friends for over 30 years, and it was their mutual hate for me that made them friends. I know that. One night at the Dancing Crab, the two of them made a pact. In the beginning, George favored Billy over Sonny, uh, and everyone knew Sonny was the better throw of the football and just more productive with the ball. I don't think they were the best of friends at the time, but they went out to dinner that night and made a pact that as long that it didn't matter who played, as long as I didn't play, I was referred to as him. <laughs> quote, as long as quote him wasn't playing, they were fine. I'm glad I was able to put two friends together. It was very rewarding to create a bond between two guys that has lasted as long as theirs has. Wow, 
Wow. I mean, that's tough. I mean, and Joe, you know, Joe came to town. He was a punt returner, but he was, you know, he was outspoken. He opened up a restaurant. You know, I'm, I mean, he, he was try. He was a, a celebrity. Remember, he was a big time college star at Notre Dame. You yeah, know, I'll, I lived through that. I know. Uh, yeah, Heisman rhymes with Heisman. Right. I lived through that. They changed the pronunciation of his last yeah. name. The real pronunciation is Thiesman. Yeah. Um, and, you know, let's remember one thing about Joe. That this will come out, I'm sure, in the football life. With all, besides all the hoopla on the field, he was a badass, oh. and his teammates had tremendous respect for his guts and his leadership on the field. That is a true statement, Doc. The way yeah. the way Doc and even Rigo, who you know, I'm sure rolled his eyes many times at things Joe said or did. He was his quarterback, and Rigo knew and has said. I mean, he he was he was the quarterback, and and he yeah. was damn good and one hell of a leader. You know, and and, and, and look, Joe's responsible. The eighty forty years ago. 40 years ago this week, I bet, is probably the week that the, the league went on strike. I'm going to look that up right now for you, Tommy. Um, the 82 that's, Skins. That's a good pick. The 82 yeah. Skins opened with Philadelphia and then played Tampa in week two in a rainstorm. Okay, September 12th was the opener against the Eagles. September 19th was the final game of that year, and they went on strike after that and didn't come back until November 21st. Just so everybody's not confused, this was not the scab player year. That was 87. The NFL took two months off. There was no NFL football on Sundays. It was horrible, by the way, for us. And Washington had won their first two games. They had beaten the Eagles in overtime, 37-34. And they beat the Buccaneers in a driving rainstorm in Tampa, 21-13. And they were 2-0. And they had finished the year before winning eight of their final 11 games after the 0-5 start under Gibbs in his first season to finish 8-8. Eight eight. So now they had won, you know, 10 of their last 13, you know, regular season games. I- I'm going to tell you right now, Tommy, there was some optimism for the season, but not much. There, there was no expectation of like a big year going into 82. The Cowboys were still the team. The 49ers had won the Super Bowl the year before. The Eagles were good. You know, they still had Jaworski and company um, and Dick Vermeil coaching them. Uh, and then the strike started, and, and Theismann was responsible for gathering the team and leading the team to a high school field to practice during the strike. And they came back, and they were ready, and they finished that regular yeah. season, you know, 8-1, and one, the only loss to the Cowboys, and then the – the very famous um, playoff run of Detroit, Minnesota, and then still to this day the greatest single sporting event in terms of crowd atmosphere I've ever been to, which is the championship game against the Cowboys um, after the Look, That's the, the greatest season. three weeks of the history. That may be the greatest three weeks in the history of Washington sports. It was great. Because it all happened, it all happened at home. All happened at home. Now, their other Super Bowl trips were all home playoff games, too. 72 season, which is 50 years ago now, 
um, was a you know their first Super Bowl season. They they played both games at home. The eighty seven well the eighty seven season they played on the road in in one at Chicago, um, and then came home and played Minnesota, uh, and and up and beat Minnesota who had upset San Francisco in the NFC Championship game and then. 91, um, when they went to the Super Bowl and won it, was uh, you know best record in football, both games at home. They played in, in the NFC title game against the Giants, um, but they did not win that game and, and didn't win the Super Bowl that year. But anyway, I'm looking forward to watching Joe and this football life. I think my favorite oh my. of the Redskins football life specials is Dexter Manley's. Rigo's is really, really good. So is Joe Gibbs. Uh, football life special, but I think Dexter's was my favorite. That was incredibly moving. The entire thing, what a life you know Dexter's had. Um, I'm talking about the Redskin uh, football life specials. Right. I think the uh, the Lombardi stuff and um, God, there was another. The Joe Namath ones were great. Um, the Joe Namath one, yeah. Okay. Joe Namath is the last guy on my list. I had four icons that uh, I pretty much worshipped growing up. One of them was Muhammad Ali. The other was Willis Reed. One was Tom, Tom Seaver. Yeah. And and uh, Joe Namath was the fourth. Now, I wound up spending a lot of time with Ali at his training camp in Deer Lake. I spent an afternoon with Willis Reed interviewing him for a sport magazine story I did about him and Wes Unseld. I hit against Tom Seaver for crying out loud. <laughs> you told me about but that. I've never I've never met Namus. I mean that's the one that it, it, it kinda gnaws at me. I've never met Namus. One of the most enjoyable conversations two of the most enjoyable conversations I've ever had, and I wasn't really a part of the conversation, but I was uh, I was sitting in the conversation was Rigo interviewing Namath, first of all, on the show that I did with John um, back in, you know, two, from 2006 through 2008, the show that I did with him and, and Gary Braun. We had Namath on. And then at a Super Bowl, Namath sitting down with Rigo and the two of them for 25 minutes talking about the days in New York. That was so much fun. And uh, it's like, you know, it's Namath. And Rigo's a pretty big star, but I was working with him. I was kind of used to Rigo. But Namath really, you know, at any point has always been one of the great all-time yeah. stars in the history of sports, yeah. period. Uh, speaking of a star, uh, Roger Federer just retired. He just announced his retirement from tennis. 20 Grand Slam titles Um uh, 41 years old. Uh, this there, he, It was expected that he was going to come back, but apparently he said the injuries and the surgeries he just knows now is the right time. I think it's such an interesting conversation, and I know that a lot of you couldn't care less about this conversation. I, I do think out of Fed, Nadal, and Djokovic, Fed is the greatest of all time. And and I may be disproven by that. You know, Nadal's numbers obviously uh, are now the, the, the greatest in the history of the sport of those three. He's got 22. Djokovic has 21, and I think Fed's, Fed's got 20. I don't know if there's ever been a more graceful player to watch on a tennis court than Roger Federer. I mean, Borg was, you know, Tommy way back in the day. Um, 
Sampras, uh, Fed, I'm McEnroe in terms of just pure talent and ability, but he wasted a lot of that by not being a hard worker and partying far too hard. Um, but I think Fed, Federer might be the greatest tennis player, men's tennis player I've ever, I've ever watched. He retired today. Um, 41 years old. It's amazing how much older they're going in tennis. When at one point in that sport, you know, Bjorn Borg retired at the age of 26 years old and 28, 29 was considered to be over the hill. Um, Okay, I want to get to the conversation of what it would be like if Washington wins Sunday and they were 2-0. Uh, Also, a little bit about the matchup with Detroit. We'll get to that when we come back right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This segment of the podcast is presented by my bookie Chargers Chiefs tonight, Tommy, in uh, the Amazon Prime uh, first game of the year. Uh, And it's a big one, uh, a huge AFC West battle. If you want to bet it, if you don't have an account, I would suggest my bookie. They have fair lines. They have fair pricing. You get paid if you win. And right now they're offering something that most shops aren't offering, and that is a double deposit bonus. So whatever you deposit, they will double it, and you will have double the money in your account uh, to bet with. It's quick. It's easy. You use my promo code, KevinDC, after going to my mybookie.com or mybookie.ag 
Um, and once you make a deposit, they will double that deposit all the way up to a thousand bucks. So if you wanted to deposit a thousand, you'll have two thousand in your account to to gamble with. If you only want to deposit a hundred bucks, you'll have two hundred in there to gamble with. You've got to use my promo code Kevin DC to double your money. Uh, up to $1,000. It's just week two of the NFL season, uh, but it kicks off tonight with a really good game between the Chiefs and the Chargers. MyBookie.ag, MyBookie.com, Kevin DC is the promo code. Tonight's game is a very good game. Tommy, you, you said that you um, last week uh, at your at the class you teach at Georgetown that you discussed the Amazon Prime package with the NFL and the fact that, you know, this game is going to be you – know, the only way to get this game is to have Amazon Prime and to be able to stream it. Um, what was what was the conversation about, and what did the, what did it, a young group of, of students think? I'm assuming that they, you know, have figured out own, their own ways to watch this game, probably not even using Amazon. Well, yeah, one thing, apparently it's free on Twitch <laughs> yeah, if and, you watch Twitch. Okay. It, you know? Yeah. So – uh, and I've tried watching Twitch. I've been unable to bring myself to do it for any length of time uh, because it's it's again it's a world that exists out there that people use to communicate and con- and consume all kinds of products, including sports products that I, I don't have any clue about. Uh, yeah, I mean most. I mean I don't think there's a kid in our class that has cable. And their own cable, either they, either they're signed on to their parents' cable, or they don't have any. You know, so I don't think there's one actual cable customer in a class of fourteen or fifteen. I mean, they they live by streaming. It's 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 the world that they're already used to. So they don't understand. They don't necessarily uh, aren't awed by what a big deal it is. But if you grew up watching, you know. Over over the top television. I mean, regular TV broadcast, and then cable TV. Yeah, and and now this. I mean, it's 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 a dramatic moment in in the sports uh, communication business. Uh, and there's, I'm sure, there's a lot of nervous nervous uh, executives out there because streaming is still a much more inexact science than than the cable than cable television. I mean, you know, things go wrong, especially for uh, for streaming, li- for live programming. Yes, and especially if you have so many people all tuned in to your stream, uh, you know, as they expect tonight. So it'll be a test, and I'm sure there'll be things that'll go wrong. Uh, Al Michael is 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 calling the game, right? Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet are your Thursday night crew yeah. on Amazon Prime. Yeah, you just yeah. you just reminded that, that's amazing. me. You just reminded me they 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 ran this um, they ran a game a couple of years ago on Amazon Prime. It was a late uh, regular season Saturday afternoon game, and it was off. Like the audio and the video wasn't right. They had technical glitches during the game. Interesting. I, I'm I, they better have it right tonight. Uh, yeah. But yes. I, I read this. Or else they're going to be given a lot of money back to advertisers. I read this story, and I think it was in the journal. I just cut and pasted it and emailed it to myself because uh, just some some key parts to it. Because I think it's uh, there are a couple of things that I think are interesting. Number one is, did you know that right now 
Um, the fastest growing segment of people who are streaming are 50 years old and older. I bet you didn't know well, that. Well, you know, I didn't know that, but in a way it makes sense because of the one thing that we, one of the subjects that we constantly talk about are new television programming and, and watching new television programming. That's all on Netflix and Amazon and Hulu. Exactly. And the pandemic you know? sped up that process because people over the age of 50 were obviously more concerned with the pandemic. They hunkered down more than younger people and they became Netflix, Hulu, Amazon prime junkies during the pandemic. Um, did you know that there is a soap opera days of our lives, which I remember my grandmother watching when I was a kid. The show's been around for 50 years on NBC. It might be the longest-running soap opera there is. I don't know if that's true or not. In college, I watched a lot of General Hospital. I will tell you that, Luke and Laura. Mine but, was, mine was one, one Life to Live. That was my soap opera in college. Well, the ABC lineup when I was in college was All My Children, One Life to Live, and General Hospital. Uh, G General Hospital became very much kind of a you know pop culture phenomenon with with Luke and Laura and their wedding and everything. But anyway, I digress. Days of Our Lives, fifty year old soap opera on NBC has moved to Peacock streaming. <laughs> I mean that's pretty amazing because nothing says broadcast only television maybe more than a soap opera. For uh, yes. a lot of, you know, older people, I, I assume they're older people that watch soap operas now. I, I mean, clearly it was a female demographic primarily for many years. Um, and then Dancing with the Stars, which, by the way, I've never really gotten into and watched, is now all, uh, on streaming. It's on Disney Plus after apparently decades long, uh, a decades-long run on ABC. But... Real quickly, back to, you know, the NFL going to streaming only. This isn't any different in terms of what the NFL is thinking um, than when in 1987 they went to ESPN for a new product, which was Sunday Night Football. Football yes. was not a Sunday night product until 1987, and it aired on ESPN, and many people, like half the country at least, did not have ESPN as part of a basic... They didn't have cable. Now, I was talking about it this morning on, on, on radio. As a college student in College Park, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, and somebody did tweet me and say, yes, PG County, uh, PG County had it long before Montgomery County. I knew that. I think PG County was one of the first areas uh, in the DMV. It wasn't called the DMV back then. It was just called the D.C. metro area. Um, back then, PG County was like the first to get basic cable. And being a college student in College Park, of course, we got cable and we got ESPN. So we didn't miss any of those Sunday night games when they started airing, it, airing in 87. Um, but it was a big risk. Because half the country really wasn't able to watch Sunday night football. Now, what they did back then, which is what they're also doing with Amazon, if your home team is playing in a game, it's going to be on broadcast TV. So when Washington plays Chicago on Thursday night football in October, which was the game I predicted to be a tie, 
Um, that game will be on, I don't know what it'll be on. You know, it'll be on Channel 4, Channel 7, Channel 9, Channel 5, one of them. It'll be on broadcast right. TV. But uh, ESPN, a few years after 1987, was in every home. It wasn't that long after 87 that basic cable was everywhere. And ESPN was a part of basic cable. By the way, they also put uh, NFL Sunday night games eventually in the early 90s, if I recall, maybe late 80s, after ESPN. They put them on TBS. There was like a two- or uh, three-year window where they put games on TBS. Um, So anyway, tonight... Now, I know this is not not as big a deal for you, but in the business of sports broadcasting, this is a big deal. All the uh, Major League Soccer games... All of them will be streamed via Apple TV starting next year. But not the World Cup games. That's on Fox, right? No, no, no. MLS. Yeah. Actually, what... Uh, MLS. Are the World Cup games... Well, yeah, I mean, MLS isn't... I don't think the MLS is drawing the numbers that the Premier League is on Sunday mornings. I think the... Pre- no, no, it, it yeah. probably isn't. But they're not going to show... You're not going to be able to find an MLS game... On network TV, I won't be you looking. You have to have the Apple TV app to get it. I won't be looking. I know you won't. <laughs> that's still that's still a pretty dramatic leap. Yeah. Uh, you know, for for them to do. And here's the other problem. Uh, you know, bars and restaurants and stuff. They don't have Amazon Prime. I don't think Amazon Prime. Uh, I you think know, you're wrong about that. Or... I think the story I read said. Let me find if I. No, no, no. You're not letting me finish. Okay, sorry. Amazon Prime made a deal with DirecTV. So the games can be shown via DirecTV. Okay. So the, to the bars and restaurants and stuff that have them. Don't, okay. mo- don't most so bars a- and restaurants have DirecTV that are, that are sports bars? No. Sports bars. Uh, I, I, I know a couple uh, that uh, have reached out to me that said, how am I going to get this game? And I'd say, well, you, you know, on Direct TV, they say we don't have that. Okay. So uh, there'll be there'll there'll be some patrons who'll say, turn on the te- turn on the game, and they're not going to get the game. Oh, well, there are, there are going to be a lot of people tonight that say, oh, it's Thursday night football, Chiefs Chargers, and they're going to go looking for it. And they're where is it? What do you mean I have to get Amazon Prime? There are going to be a lot of those people because people don't. Most people don't pay attention to all of this stuff. They don't pay right. attention to the fact that the NFL is going to make like a hundred billion dollars on their new TV deal over the next ten years. They don't understand that, but they'll understand it tonight. Uh, by the way, the World Cup yeah. is on Fox and FS1 when it starts in November. Good. We'll be we'll be able to watch people getting dragged out of the stadium. And locked up for three years for having flask of alcohol <laughs> yeah. in their pockets. Yeah, bringing a flask into a game was was a, a commonplace thing uh, for for many. I, I I am pretty sure that at one point in time I had a flask of probably some brown liquor. Bringing that into a, a game at RFK, which by the way they there was no frisking, there was no empty your stuff here and go through uh, this detector um, <laughs> at all. Uh, all right. So Washington plays Detroit on Sunday, and I had a guy on from Detroit this morning, and he said this is a massive game for the Lions because there there were some expectations for Detroit this year. 
you know, a lot of people felt like Detroit was going to be an improved team. They played really well down the stretch last year in Dan Campbell's first year. Even the games they lost when they were uh, when they were 0 and 8 or 0 8 and 1 were were a lot of close losses. And then they were the you know the subject of hard knocks this summer. So right. there was a lot of you know momentum. For the Lions, and they played a very good game against the Eagles on Sunday. They lost thirty-eight to thirty-five. They generated, you know, close to four hundred yards of offense. Now they were down seventeen in the fourth quarter, but they they moved the football. They're explosive offensively. With DeAndre Swift is is an absolute you know coming star in this league, and they've got good skill position players. But the guy from Detroit said, "This is a must win." It's week two. It's a must win. We go to Minnesota the following week, and the, the, the stadium was completely sold out for the Philadelphia game. It'll, it, he said it wasn't sold out yet for Sunday's game, but it'll be close to a sellout for Washington. And they're viewing this as a must win because 0-2 after the excitement, and then you go to Minnesota, potentially 0-3, and you feel like the season's over. You're off to the same start. And he said Dan Campbell's going to be questioned. Right now, Dan Campbell is really you know, a guy that's excited the Detroit Lion fan base. Now, for Washington, we looked at this when the schedule came out. Jacksonville and Detroit, they gave him a chance in this year of a new name and new branding and the whole thing to start off 2 and 0. They haven't started off 2 and 0 since 2011 when they when they opened up with a win over the Giants on the 10-year anniversary of 9/11. Um, that was uh, Ryan Kerrigan's first game. He scored a touchdown in that game and then they beat the Cardinals in week 2. They had two home games to start the year. Uh, they actually were very close to starting 3-0. and They lost 18-16 to on a Monday night in Week 3 at Dallas. And then Rex got hurt, and, um, you know, it was the John Beck-Rex thing the rest of the year, and they went 5-11, and not right. too good. What would, it mean? what would it mean to this team, who had a decent crowd, uh, an enthusiastic crowd Sunday, to come home against Philadelphia in Week 3, 2-0, and especially if it's another really promising performance offensively. It would be very important in the sense that uh, more people from who root for the Washington Commanders would be drawn to come out for that Sunday game if they were 2-0. Because you know, if the Eagles are 2-0, there's going to be a huge Philadelphia contingent at that game. And if, if if Washington loses to Detroit, they'll, they'll, some interest will drop off fans saying, well, I'm not showing up, and they're going to get killed by the Eagles. I'm not, I'm not going to this game. You know, but if they're 2-0, and then I think you probably generate some more curiosity, uh, people willing to buy tickets to show up for the game. So in that sense, in terms of, of the home crowd, it could have some difference. If they if they if they go in two and zero as opposed to one and one against the Eagles, so and you know I mean we made the crowd a big story about the first week of the year, and I think it was because uh, of the the new brand, the new I mean the, the new brand I think made the crowd and the crowd reaction a big part of the week one story. But again, let's not get crazy here. They were still last in the league in home attendance for their home opener. Yeah, I guess people for, 
forgot that. I mean, that, that, that's putting it in perspective, but really the comparison is the enthusiasm to recent crowds. Yes. And by the way, the and size and the size of the crowd to recent crowds, you know what I haven't seen yet. And I want to, and I, I sent uh, our good friend, John Orand, um, a text message, but I haven't heard back. I'm curious as to what the local television number was yeah, I on Sunday in Jacksonville. Either. But let me just tell you something that I learned um, from a team source this morning because I was talking about the Philadelphia game, and I reached out to somebody, um, and they got back to me, and I and they said you can say that you you know that, that it was a team source um, rather than just guessing on it. Um, they're expecting right now to have a really really good crowd for the Philadelphia game. Um, they're, they're, they're expecting over 60,000 for the Philadelphia game. Now, here's another thing. And I just, I asked, I said, what is capacity? Because it, Tommy, it's been changing. You know, obviously it's been going down, 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 and down last year. I think it was like 70 or 68. Um, apparently I guess it was 67, but I was told that really the capacity is less than that now. I don't know. I, well, you know. Go, go ahead. The, the, the attendance was 58,000 and change. That's the paid attendance. Paid. I think there were less people yeah, there. Yeah, there was. I was told that, probably closer because to 50. Because there were a lot of yeah. empty seats on the, upper, on, the, on the top deck. Yeah, almost all a empty, lot of I was empty told. Seats. Yes. Yeah. 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 But so, still. Uh, yeah. And, and again, those 60,000, that crowd they're expected for the Philly game, I would think that that reaction changes based on what they do against Detroit. Yeah, now the- I think if people if people bought tickets for that Philly game and they lose to Detroit, I think some people say, "Oh, screw it, I'm going to sell my tickets. I'm not going." I think so. Here's what I want. Why I wanted to bring up the two and zero start. I think it would be huge for them, definitely. But I think they've yeah. already avoided the disaster. Now, if they were to get pummeled by Detroit, that would be, you know, that would add some context to it. But I think they've already, by winning and coming back and Carson Wentz leading two big-time drives and throwing two, you know, big-time touchdowns uh, after, you know, two interceptions, I think they've already avoided the, the, the disaster scenario, which was losing to the Jags at home and then potentially losing in week two to the Lions. The, the Lions, I, I, th- I agree. I agree with you about that. That's why it was more important not to lose this game against Jacksonville than it was to win it. Yeah, a loss, especially after having a double-digit lead, if 22-14 to had held up and Jacksonville had won that game, it would have been an utter disaster. Yes, um, yes and it would have been. So I think you're right. Even if they're 1-1, one one, you know, that's sort of business as usual. That's not necessarily disaster. Now... So okay. I think they've avoided disaster, and I think that the crowd for the Philadelphia game, and I'm sure that there are a lot of Philadelphia fans that have bought tickets for that game. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that they're not, but I think you're going to see a lively, lively atmosphere and crowd, uh, you know, next Sunday, a week from Sunday against the Eagles, regardless of what happens against Detroit. Now, if they beat Detroit, now you've got a build up for a game against the Eagles that becomes. Wow, this is going to be for first place in the division. Uh, This is a massive early season game in the NFC East. The Cowboys are after that, and the Cowboys are going to be starting Cooper Rush at quarterback. And already the Cowboys have been discounted. Like twenty, their twenty twenty two season for a lot of people is over already with Dak out four weeks, which might be more than that. 
You beat Detroit. You look good again offensively. Wentz has another big day statistically. Uh, and you've got one of the biggest home games early in the season you've had in years. Years. Even as the commanders. Now, who's that going to appeal to? Well, probably a lot of, of the people that were w- at the game in week one. But you'll add to that list. You'll add people to it. I agree. A 2-0 showdown against NFC East division rivals uh, will get a lot of hype. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole Carson Wentz playing against the Eagles will get hype. Of course. As it is. You know, so, yeah, that would be a very hype game if, if they go in, if they both teams go into a 2-0. I mean, I, look, the, the, the seasons have been disastrous. You know, 2-6 last year, 1-5 the year before, 0-5 oh the year before that. Um, the 2018 team, you know, with Alex Smith, okay, and they got off to a really good start. They were 5-2. and two. Um, in in that in that season and and he you know the, the offensively they weren't very good sorry I'm criticizing Alex Smith in the offense from 2018 I don't hate Alex Smith at all I think he's one of the it's one of the great stories uh, that we've seen in recent years but they were not a very good offensive team in in 2018 you know they 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 beat the Cardinals and then lost to the Colts at home and then beat the Packers with Aaron Rodgers basically you know on with one limb. Uh, in that game, um, and but but it was, you know, th- there there was some excitement early in that year. I'll tell you this: I thought that their five and two start, they were doing things that they hadn't done in a while, which was they were winning the games against the teams they should win against, and you know then everything imploded that day against Houston uh, with the injury, um, uh, and then you know the season ended up being what was that season seven and nine. Six and ten or seven and nine? Seven and nine, I think it was. Because they beat uh they beat Jacksonville there at the end of the year. But it would just be nice for this franchise because it's been so rare, even when they've made runs to the postseason like they did in 2020. That's been a late season out of nowhere backdoor run. You know, in 2020 it was because the division was so awful. It would just be so healthy for them for once to be sitting there at 6 and 2 or 8 and you know 8 and 1 or how about just 3 and 1 or 4 and 1 something like that you beat Detroit Sunday and then you've got this massive game against Philadelphia and then right now a game on the road against Dallas that looks winnable yes uh it, it would be good for everybody including content providers on the team but I, I think Detroit's going to be quite the challenge, and I think they are the desperate team. And Washington, I'm telling you right now, they're going to have to stop DeAndre Swift. And I know he was on the injury report yesterday for Detroit, but the guy out of Detroit said there's no concern. He's playing. And they've got weapons. Um, they've got weapons, and that's without Jamison Williams. This is a team that can move the football, but Washington should be able to move it against Detroit as well. So this could be Detroit. Detroit a high-scoring is a pretty game. aggressive from what I've read, 
The Lions are an aggressive defensive team. They blitzed more than anybody in week one. They blitzed more than anybody in week one, but Washington really held up well against the Jacksonville extra man pressures when they came. And they came in crucial spots in the fourth quarter, and Washington did an excellent job. But, yeah, Detroit's going to go for it. That's because Jacksonville waited too long to to bring the pressure on Carson. They should have started it. Right, well, right, from, right from the get-go. Well, when they brought the pressure uh, against him at the end, he crushed it. <laughs> he threw two yeah, touchdown passes and and a, and it had a big third down, a couple of big third down conversions. Right. Well, they were already losing. What fourteen to three? Uh, now, I'm talking about you know, at the end of the it, game with Washington down eight. I know that Jacksonville I know you, I know. came with I'm pressure and, and Wentz crushed it. I don't think, and I don't think the pressure would have been a big risk for. Couldn't have been any worse than it was for them for Jacksonville the first half. Let me just say this: they had De- pressure De- and got crushed. Detroit got burned blitzing uh, Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts rushed for nearly a hundred yards, so he burned well, them with his legs. Do that. And he's not going to do that. You know, he's not no. the same. You know, mobile uh, from a mobility standpoint no. that he was a few years ago. Uh, and, and let's have a shout out to the Lions here for a second. Why uh, the Lions? They haven't won an NFL championship since 1957. 57. They are arguably the the worst franchise in the league for the past sixty years. Right, uh, uh, and uh, they sell out their home opener. Yeah, they, I mean that's just stunning. Yeah, they haven't they haven't done that a lot over the years. But the hard knocks thing and their finish last year and the excitement over Dan Campbell helped help them. By the way, the Lions the Lions have only won one playoff game since 1957. All right, they beat the Cowboys in 1991 and then came to RFK for the NFC Championship game and right. got beat 41 to 10. Just one playoff game. Now, since 2000 this century, um the Lions and the Dolphins have no playoff wins. Washington and Cleveland have just one this century. Um that's not very impressive because the playoff win that they got over the Lions after the 99 season is considered a 90, 1999 season playoff win. That w- if they had won the Super Bowl that year, the crest should have read 1999, even though the postseason was played in 2000. All right, do you have a, a, a prediction for Sunday since you won't be on the show tomorrow? Uh, yes, I have Detroit winning 31-23. to 31-23. I, I think Carson Wentz is sacked four times. All right. Uh, my prediction will come tomorrow with a lot more uh, as well. I, I just want to ask you one thing before we have a surprise guest in our final segment of the show today. Do you think that the Aaron Judge home run where he's on 57, he, didn't ha- he did not homer last night, that his home run season right now is getting the attention it deserves. It feels to me like it's very much flying under the radar. I wanted your impression of that. Well, yeah, it is. It, it, it is flying under the radar for one reason, because the Yankees are tanking uh, as, as a team. Uh, there's, no, there's no chase going on. It's not like McGuire and Sosa where anyone's chasing him, or even Mantle Maris. In 61, where the two of them chased each other until the final weeks of the season when Mantle got hurt. So there, there, there's not the elements of what has produced uh, you know, a lot of publicity 
in the past. And, you know, we have a generation where hitting 50-plus home runs in a year, thanks to the steroid era, it's not that big of a deal. But this isn't a 50-plus. This is him going for what I believe you would uh, uh, consider to be the home run record, the single-season home record, home run record, which is Roger Maris's 61 yes. in 61. Yes. This is going for well, – he's, he's, right he's on pace to hit 65 right now. Yeah, but he's at 57 right now. I know that, but and, this isn't uh, a 50 – he's going to end up with 60-plus. Okay. He probably will. I'm just telling you why I don't think it's getting much attention. Okay. 57 home runs for uh, people who have watched baseball for the last 20 years is not as uncommon as it was when we were growing up. And it was unheard of. Yeah, but we haven't seen somebody threaten 60 since the Sosa-McGuire Bonds days, the steroid days. Right. Right. But uh, these are the baseball fans that are watching the game now. They, they grew up in that era. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think it, it generates as much interest. I think once he passes Roger Maris, then the whole debate about what the record is, that will generate interest. Okay, so let's talk about that. You believe that the home run single season record is Roger Maris' 61 and 61, right? Yes. So yes, bu- I do. I mean, Bonds' Bonds' bon- record to me is an illegitimate record. The seventy-three home runs in, in one season for a guy who hit forty-nine home runs the year before, right? Uh, and I, I and never hit it, never hit even fifty in a season before that, right? Am I right about that? I think right. I am. No, that's right. Forty-nine was yeah. his career high. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and the reason again, when people you know like try to defend Barry Bonds, and you know like. A lot of guys use steroids during the steroid era because their careers were on a decline, because they were trying to win a job or save their job. It may have been wrong, but at least you can sympathize with the motivation. Barry Bonds used steroids because he was jealous of McGuire and Sosa. That's why. He was jealous of the attention they were getting. And they got a lot of attention. Uh, yeah, and it was good so, for baseball so why, at the time. I mean, that's 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 what a shallow human being uh, Bonds is. So he, he he cheated out of jealousy. So and he cheated. He admitted he used steroids in grand jury testimony. He said he didn't know what he was taking, and I don't believe that. But he did admit he took steroids when he was questioned by a grand in a grand jury investigation for Balco Balco Labs. You know, McGuire later on has already admitted that he used steroids. You know, Sosa hasn't admitted it, but, but uh, you know, he has zero credibility. And, and so, I mean, people will say to me, well, you don't know if judges use it or not. And I say, no, I don't. I don't know. I know that testing is much stricter now than it was back then. There was virtually hardly any testing done back then. And I don't know how legitimate Aaron, Aaron judges uh, home run record would be, but I know who did use, and I can disqualify their record. So this you know? is why. So to me, yeah. So this is why I'm wondering. He's about to set in your mind the home run record, the all-time home run record. By the way, it will be the all-time American League record. Um, you know, uh, when he passes Maris this year, uh, regardless of what you think about Bonds, McGuire, Sosa, et cetera, the, the, it will be the American League record. Why aren't you more into this? Well, because it's the Yankees. 
So what? Jesus Christ. What do you mean? What do you mean? So what? So it's, what? It's, it, you're you're the a Yankees, Hall of Fame baseball voter and writer. This is this is going to be the single season home run record. It just doesn't seem happens, like you're into I'll be it. Interested? It's going to happen. That into it. It's going to happen. I'm not that into it. Okay. To be honest with you, he's not the he's not the MVP. Oh, he's got a chance. Otani's the MVP. You know, you're probably right, but you know, he's he's threatening still the triple crown as well. Not only could he might he set the all time American League and for people like you, the all time home run record, uh, you know, he's leading in RBI's home runs and I think he's second or third in batting average right now. He's got a chance to, well, to triple crown. The triple crown might do it, but what Otani is doing I know. is, is we've never seen before. Here's the other thing about I mean, Judge. Here's the other thing about Judge before you continue on on on, on Otani. He is putting the you're you're right about like there's not a chase here. Schwarber right now is at 37 home runs, 20 home runs behind Judge. The biggest differential between number 1 and number 2 in home runs for a season You've got to go back to all of the Babe Ruth seasons, and I understand you're yes. going to tell me that nobody else hit home runs back then. I understand that. But Babe Ruth, uh, twice, in 1921 and 1920, there was a 35-home run differential. And 21, um, 27 and 21 for Ruth. 27, he hit 60. In 21, I think he hit 59, Tommy. You can uh, help me on that. I, I was reading a lot about this yesterday, and I don't have this story in front of me. But, you know, basically... Like the next closest guy at at thirty five would have been for a fifty nine home run season. Uh, you know, we're we're talking about um, you know twenty four home runs. You know, so no one else was hitting home runs back then. So this differential is really significant this year. Yes, it is. I just don't yeah, know yes, why you're is. not you're you're not into Aaron Judge's season right now. Okay, because he's a Yankee. I don't, Personally, I don't care. I mean, I'm interested in it as 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 a reporter, as a baseball writer. But personally, the Yankees are abhorrent to me. You know, <laughs> they disgust me. Okay. I mean, that's how I was raised. I was raised to hate the Yankees. Were you? Were that you? That doesn't go away. Do you remember anything about the Maris '61 season? No, I, that, that's when I just started. Vaguely remember watching, you know, I remember, i tell you what, I went to a baseball game at Yankee Stadium that year. I know, you told me. I don't me. even remember. It, it, you told me it, it seeing, wasn't with you, uh, but it wasn't with your father, right? No, it was. It was my dad. Oh, that's took right. Me. They were playing the, the Kansas City Athletics, our insurance guy who uh, got tickets uh, for to go see the Yankees. So that's the only reason we went. Otherwise, we'd never go see the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, and I'm... I'm sure I saw Roger Maris play that year in 61. I just don't remember it. Okay. Well, maybe uh, I can get you interested in this Aaron Judge chase for for what would be the all-time home run record for a single season for those that discount all of the, uh, you know, Bonds, McGuire, Sosa stuff in the next couple of weeks. By the way, the Yankees have won four games in a row, um, so they're playing better right now, um, and they have uh, increased uh, their lead. Uh, to six games over uh, Toronto. By the way, here's something else. When I was go- going through, I, what got me really interested is I was list- I, w- I was I read something about Judge, and then I was listening to um, uh, to uh, Mad Dog yesterday on XM Sirius talk about this. Uh, 
uh, with, uh, with a guest. I didn't realize until yesterday that this is the first year of an expanded postseason in Major League Baseball. I said to you the other day that we're not going to get the Padres and the Phillies. We're not going to get Sosa and Harper into the postseason. Uh, well, yeah, we are. Because the postseason is expanded, they're both going to be, you know, it's the it's going to be the three division winners, and and then the next three best records, and the top two teams division records will have buys, and then the four, the the four seed through the the the, uh, the three, four, five, and six seed will play a best of three in the higher seeded teams park to advance to the divisional round. Did you know that? Yes. Well, you didn't say that, that to me the other day when I said we're only going to get either the Phillies. We're not going to get all the ex-Nats in the postseason because the Padres are out. They're behind at Philly right now. But actually, they're well, both know, in. I, I'd have to listen to you all the time to, I, I, to respond. I don't, I don't think you really knew about the postseason change. Sometimes I don't do that. I know you know? Uh, we've got a special guest right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, a special guest to finish up, Tommy, the podcast today. Something that we've been uh, attempting to do, talking about doing for a while now, because if you, you got to go all the way back to February 16th of earlier this year when this podcast was named the number one rated sports podcast in the D.C. metro area by the DC Sports Podcast Association, which we didn't even know existed at the time. But Brian Chesnick from Annapolis has been running and has been running this nonprofit organization for years now. And Brian is with us. Brian, how are you? Thanks so much for for acknowledging uh, the podcast. That was quite the surprise. Hi, Kevin. Tom, great to be speaking with you. Uh, this, This podcast is the best because... One day you have real heavy hitters like Scott Van Pelt, Steve Sands, Stanford Steve, Kirkshin, Wilbon, John Orand, and then you have a guy like me, the DC Sports <laughs> Podcast Association. In all seriousness, so I forget what it was. What, didn't Tommy suggest that there that we should start like he and I should start some sort of podcast association and start giving ourselves awards? Is that yes? Wasn't that it? I think it was. Yeah. And, you, and yeah, you, were, you had a show. Yeah, you had a show about uh, the, the ratings in the area, and then Tommy said we need to create 
the DC Sports Podcast Association and then give each other awards. And uh, so I was listening, and it was, I think, the week after the Super Bowl, and it was, you know, it's cold and miserable around here. The Terps weren't doing so good, not going to make the tournament. And I said, you know, I'm going to I'm going to make them laugh. I'm going to do this, uh, you know, the kids call it a burner account. I'm going to create this podcast association, and I'm going to name them the number one for the month of January. And so when you guys uh, talked about it a couple of days later, I was laughing hysterically that you guys actually uh, ran with it. But yeah, it, it was uh, it was pretty funny. Here, here's the thing. You know, it, it, it may it may have been uh, you know a, a stab at humor, but you know there there's a lot of jealousy in the local podcast business. There you is. Know? We don't necessarily yes, we don't necessarily get the recognition that is due us. So this was very important for for uh, for us to get this. I mean, we look, we just got shut out in the Emmy Awards for like I don't know what the fifth or sixth year in a row. <laughs> so. This 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 honor, you know, uh, you know, I know, I know, it may have been started as a lark, but it meant something to us because, you know, we have so many enemies out there that are trying to shoot us down. I know you guys, the number one spot, a lot to live up to. It is. Yeah. You, you know, you can follow the DC Sports Podcast Association, by the way, on Twitter. I don't know if Brian even pays attention to it anymore, but you do have 202 followers now. Um, it's at DC underscore sports underscore PA. Um, and, you know, the first tweet was us winning in January. And then the second tweet and pretty much the last tweet came a month later where, where Brian and the DC Sports Podcast Association tweeted out, still reviewing the numbers before announcing the number one ranking for February 2022. But early computations suggest Sheehan Podcast leading the DMV in scrapped podcasts due to breaking quarterback news involving commanders. Of course, that was the Carson Wentz uh, period of time. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you've got you got <laughs> And then I had another one. I had another one a couple months later about rumors of a, a break-off, a spin-off podcast, uh, The Question of Law, because it seemed there for a month <laughs> or so you guys were just discussing legal issues of uh, the local <laughs> football team. So still waiting to get confirmation if that's uh you know you actually create you, you, know? you created you created a logo for it and i'm looking at it right now <laughs> the monday morning ql podcast which is question of law uh starring sheehan lavero gutman and neil from rockville <laughs> attorney at law um howard gutman that would be yeah we we've had howard and neil on a lot uh but you know how it goes <laughs> brian once the season starts it's like Unless there's something big, everybody's dialed in on the games. Um, you're a fan of the uh, team, absolutely. right? You're a fan of the team? Yes. So what do you think yeah, of them so far? Yeah, long-suffering fan. Uh, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of the Wentz move. He looked decent week one. Some of the, you know, the turnovers were questionable. But he does have the big arm. He opens up a lot uh, to keep the other defenses honest. So I'm I'm optimistic. I like Turner. I think he can call a good game. Uh, Dotson, I think he's going to end up being the one A or one B. Like, you know, he could play all three wide receiver positions. Right. McLaurin's going to do do his thing. So I mean, I'm optimistic. It feels like we always go to Detroit thinking this will be an easy win, and it doesn't uh, always work out that way. So 
two and zero would be a great start, but it's such a long season. I remember you talking about it, like even remembering with seventeen games. They played the Chargers week one last year, and then if you recall, they Chargers had that uh, crazy game against the Raiders. It seemed like you know five months later. It's just such a long year, so two and zero would be a great start, but it's you know how it goes. It's a week to week league. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you're a Terps fan too. Yeah, huge, huge Terps fan, uh, Maryland basketball. Yeah. One of the reasons I love listening to your podcast is you you touch on them quite frequently. So Tommy, I'm you optimistic know, about Willard. Yeah, me too. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, Willard, Willard's killing it recruiting-wise. Right now, Tommy, I don't know if I told you this, Maryland's recruiting class for 2023, top 10 right now, It's it's and it could go into, into, into the top five. I mean, he is absolutely slaying it from a from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, he, okay. he's locking down the DMV. He's the hiring of the assistant coaches with the connections to the exactly. AAU programs have made huge inroads. So it's good to get the players, but you know how good you got to play the games. So we'll see how it goes. But I'm I'm optimistic about Willard as well. Yeah, me too. Tommy, anything more for the head of the DC Sports Podcast Association? Well, well, yeah, we've kind of been waiting. Or uh, okay, when you're going to have some kind of awards <laughs> banquet or event, uh, so you know we can invite some media, so we can get some of the, more of the attention that we deserve. Is there any kind of banquet or or dinner in the in the works at all? Yeah, we'll we'll keep the uh, calendars open. We'll we'll see what we can work with. Might be an end of the year awards banquet. We'll see what the other podcasts uh, in the local area come up with, but. It could definitely be something in the works. Tommy, why don't you just go to like Sharper Image and buy some plaque and and have it in, inscripted with you know uh, the podcast number one in the DMV, and then just tweet it out and say we want it. I mean, it's it's theater of the mind here. You do you do awards to yourself better than anybody I've ever known, and this would uh, you don't we don't need a night. No one's going to post for the night. Just get a plaque. Put that we won the award, tweet it out, and everybody will buy it. Listen, yeah, I'll verify if he it. puts on if he puts on a DC Sports Podcast Association dinner to honor us, <laughs> people will come, buddy. People will show up. Okay. Uh, hey, Brian, thanks so much. That was actually great that you Thank did you, that. Brian. Because Tommy would have never been able to figure out how to do a burner account. He was thinking about it, <laughs> but I don't think he would have ever pulled it off. But thanks so much. Who wins on Sunday? Let me get your prediction. I say Commanders by seven. Okay, there you go. Uh, Brian Chesnick, everybody, the head of the D.C. Sports Podcast Association. Make sure you follow him. Follow the Sports Podcast Association yeah. on Twitter. Keep up the great work, boys. All right. This September awards. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Uh, okay. That's it for today. Cooley's supposed to be back with me tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. Tommy, I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Okay, boss. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.